It's Daily Thunder, booming out the truth of Jesus Christ every weekday morning from our studio on the Ellerslie campus in Windsor, Colorado. To learn more, visit ellerslie.com. Welcome to a Friday discussion. I'm here with Eric Ludy, and I'm excited for our uh, our return to our new mics, this new stage. Yeah. Uh, now that we're... Uh, this is good. And a good, juicy question, which you and I just love. We relish good, juicy questions. It is. Actually, this question is really important for today's culture because you look at the modern church, there's still churches that have not opened up yep. for the nine, 10 months that we've, been, you know, that some of them have been closed down. There's so much pressure that's starting to come against the church as a whole. So I think this question is actually really important for us to mm-hmm. think through and process. Mm-hmm. And, and the question is, should a Christian be culturally correct? And I think, uh, you know, the, the question is a bait for uh, all sorts of contentions in and it of is. itself because there's a whole <laughs> brand of Christianity that feels one of its highest priorities to reach the culture is to, in a sense, adopt it, yeah. is to adopt the culture and to be pleasant with it, yeah, to be, be agreeable, yeah, yeah, and to be relevant in it. And so you have like... The, the It forces the issue of like, well, where, where do you stand, Eric and Nathan? Uh, d- because... I'd say, without you and I even needing to compare notes, even though we already did before this, <laughs> we are decidedly on the side of when you look like Christ to a culture, you are not correct with the culture. Right. Culture praises and promotes self as its primary agenda. Christianity praises and promotes Jesus. The two are at odds one with the other. And at times they can walk in harmony. There are certain overlap points where it's just like, yes, we both agree on that. But there are certain points, especially when you begin to see culture move further and further away from godliness, from righteousness, from truth, from justice, it becomes more flagrant uh, for a Christian to stand up and do what Christ would do. Even though for us as Christians, we're like, why wouldn't everyone love this? I'm just being loving. I'm being kind. I'm being merciful. But the way it's translated is just very different. And so should a Christian be culturally uh, correct or culturally relevant? I would say if you are, it actually should create a a little warning signal to say why. It's even inerrant in the understanding of what a Christian is. All throughout the New Testament, we were called saints. And that word has this idea of to be set apart, to be different and other than the world around us. In fact, one of my favorite comments or commentaries uh, speaking on this idea, the quote is basically that in the early church, there was no doubt in anyone's mind who was a Christian and who wasn't. In other words, there should be a a vast difference in how we talk, how we think, how we look. Uh, and there's a great illustration in even just history from the 13 and 1400s yeah. of what we would call the English bullman. Do you want to flesh that out a little bit? Yeah, the longbow back then was like six feet tall, and the pull weight on the on the bow, I think for most people in the modern day, uh, wouldn't don't even believe it. They're like, oh, that's not even true. But it's around 200 pounds to pull this bow. And a modern day bow would be like 50 or 60 pounds at its height, probably, I'm guessing. And they have little special contraptions that help alleviate most of the weight. And so most bowmen today would be like, you've got to be kidding. No one, no human could pull that. And they're partly correct because it took decades to train a body to be able to pull this. And that's training daily. 
of learning and studying this bow and learning its movements with such intimacy that it was called bending the bow. There was a whole art to it, almost like a dance with it. These guys could pull this bow 12 times a minute. (laughs) And they were able to shoot arrows around 300 yards. It was like three football fields with complete accuracy, extraordinary accuracy. And it created this military formation amongst the English that was unstoppable. In other words, all the other nations could not compete with something because they could, these bows could strike you from such long distances, like the ancient missile. And so as a result, you had this unstoppable military force. But if you were a bowman, you looked funny to the world. Everyone could recognize a bowman a mile away, just sort of like you're talking about in the early church with the word saints. It's like, yeah, there's a bowman right there. Why? Because their body was misshapen. If you're spending all day long every day working with this bow, you have a bulging left bicep. It's like your arm is weird. Your shoulders all deformed. You sort of look like half your body is Popeye and it's just exploded (laughs) out and all, you know, huge. And the rest of your body sort of might look normal, but you have this one part of your body which has an extreme amount of attention to it to be able to pull this this bow. And what a, what a great reminder or what a great illustration of, okay, we, those guys looked funny. Yeah. And in fact, didn't, I think you said at one point they found a shipwreck with some of the bows and, yeah. and, and some skeletons. And they even, even it just deformed. Their skeletal structure yeah, was, it was yeah, completely deformed. Was misshapen, yeah. And it's just like, that that obviously is not probably good for your body and, and one, <laughs> it's misshaping your body. <clears throat> and yet it was so powerful and effective. Yeah. Uh, in fact, as you already said, no other army could compete because if they want to say, okay, I'm going to start doing strong, you know, these big uh, bows, they didn't have time. Yeah. They didn't have time to develop it because it took so long. Yeah. But what a great picture for a Christian that is it okay for us to look bizarre yeah. to the world? Is it okay for us to be misshapen? Yeah. And, and that actually, interestingly, is the language of, of the media right now. Yeah. <laughs> it's just like, you guys are the problem yeah. and you guys don't look like we want you to look like. Yeah, that's right. Um, what, what does it then mean for us to to develop that? What does that mean yeah. for us to, because truth be told, a lot of us who are probably listening and watching are like, okay, Eric, that, that sounds wonderful, but uh, I haven't spent decades. Yeah. Uh, I, I do actually look like the culture. What, uh-huh. Is there any, do you have any thoughts in terms of like, what can an individual do if they do look like the world? Or yeah. what should we be doing now to prepare ourselves so that we don't look like the world? You know, we're we're in the realm of discipleship, and discipleship to us is a very, very significant and important thing. And with discipleship, there's an investment of time. And if you were going to be an Olympian, it's about six hours a day for many, many years of your life. Okay, that's an investment of time. Well, if you want to be a great Christian, a Christian that truly represents Christ in this generation, <laughs> I would just hold my hands like this, like what What are you thinking? It's going to be this is how it works. A.W. Tozier says, the man who would know God must spend time with him. Amen. And so time given to something consistently is as much as it affects an Olympic athlete, it affects a spiritual athlete. And so I'd say at the, at the baseline of our discussion, if I was talking with someone, I would be, I would say, Yes, it's going to take time, which can be daunting to some people. Of course, being misshapen and deformed to the world uh, is not the most intriguing thing. I I really struggled with this. I grew up popular. Uh, I wanted to be attractive to the girls. I wanted to look good to a culture. I wanted to receive an applause. Following Christ doesn't garner that. 
and yet it does, but it's a heavenly one. And so you have to switch your kingdom. You have to recognize that you're playing for a different audience now. Right. I'm no longer playing for this world's approval. I, I'm willing to let go of that. It's hard, and I'm not going to downplay that. It's a very hard thing that will recur in seasons, where right when you think you're free from it, something will happen, and you'll realize, okay, I still feel that. And yet God's continually setting you more and more free. You and I are used to being somewhat misshapen, if you will, to the world. We're used to it. We've been bad-mouthed. We've been accused. We've been we've gone through the rough and tumble of that to the point where we sort of chuckle about it and laugh. But it's not that easy to get to that point. So I recognize that. However, it starts with a decision to say Jesus is more important than the world's applause. And I love the statement. I want to say A.W. Tozier. The gospel sets us free from the tyranny of public approval. There is a tyranny or a control of public approval that that it dominates our life. The gospel sets us free from it. So if you haven't been set free from that, you might want to come afresh to the cross and say, God, I want the full package, you know, the one that comes with the freedom from public approval to the point where you can live your life boldly for Jesus, be mocked and ridiculed and look like a misshapen idiot to the world and smile in return and recognize that your inheritance is great in the kingdom of heaven. In other words, you see something more valuable. You see an applause that is heavenly and it weighs heavier. It weighs with more gravity in your soul. And that one is eternal. Yep. Like I, that, that's such a great reminder for me. Every time I have that, because uh, I, I even feel it now where it's just like there's that bait of fear, that fear of man, or that you, you're wanting the approval, the acceptance, the affirmation of the world yep. around you. But when when I think from the lens of eternity, and it's just like, okay, do I actually care about this person's opinion yeah. for three minutes? Or do I have an eternal perspective? Yeah. The moment I turn my gaze heavenward and, and see the eternal, it's like, actually, I do not care a lick yeah. what someone on this planet thinks of me. Yeah. And, and am I willing to spend my life for eternity for the sake of the gospel? Yes. When, when I live with Jesus yeah. as my as, as the preeminent focus of my life. Amen. It's just when I when I turn my gaze to the the temporal, the world, then I actually value the the mindset of the world. And we were talking even before we started this one, just that obviously the best time to have started this was years yeah. years ago. It's like that great. Yeah, if all all of us could have started twenty to thirty years ago on this path Amen. of radical Christianity, <laughs> then yeah, uh, that's obviously the time to start. It's like that old adage, you know, the best time to plant a tree was thirty years ago. Yeah. The second best time to plant a tree today. Right. So I, I think it's an encouragement that even if you're not where you want to be at this point, that doesn't mean you're forsaken, doesn't mean you're lost mm-hmm. in the sense of there's no hope. It just means, well, then change the trajectory and start walking this pathway and, and letting Jesus be the totality of your life. I, we love what Ian Bounds once said. He said, it takes 20 years to make a sermon. And I, I remember hearing that the first time, I'm like, excuse me. <laughs> I'm like, I'm about to preach. I mean, I, it's like one of the first times I was preaching and I came across, I'm like, that's not good because I was only, you know, 19, 20 anyway. And I'm like, well, how on earth is that possible? It takes 20 years to make a sermon. But he finishes the quote by saying, because it takes 20 years to make that man. And there's a truth of that of, you know, if you want to see the see the fullness of the Christian life, if you're really wanting to see what God's wanting to do in your life, it takes time. That's right. Which means we need to start as soon as possible. And the true sermon is the life lived. It's Amen. not the words that come out of our mouth. It's right. the life. But that life, it takes time to mature into the yep. godly pattern. And that's why it's important for us. If we're still toddling around in our in our diaper because we are uh, two years old in our spiritual life, you know that 
a father finds that adorable? Uh, I, I, I thought my kids were adorable when they were toddling around in their diaper, right? It would not be adorable if they'd been living in that diaper for 20, 30 years, right? And so there's a proper maturity right. that the, the church today has been stunted to the point where we're oftentimes staying at a very low level of development for too long. And I'd say just if anyone could just be invigorated today, it's catch a vision for something more. The king is looking for some bowmen. And if you're a bowman, boy, you're part of the most powerful military force that had ever existed up to that point in time. And that's the way I look at the kingdom of heaven right now. Something is going to happen in this world that is the greatest movement of grace that this world has ever seen. Amen. And wouldn't we want to be bowmen in that military maneuver? So let's enlist and let's say, God, right here. I'm willing to be misshapen. What did Paul say? I'm idiotes for the gospel. This is the Greek. And I think without even knowing Greek, we all know what that word means. Are we willing to be idiots in the world's eyes, not in heavens, in the world's eyes to proclaim the glory of Jesus in this hour? Amen. Fools for Christ. Amen. Mm, So good. Before we let you go, we just want to just kind of give you a fresh reminder or encouragement to join us for our our upcoming five-week discipleship training. So here is a short media piece to introduce you to that program. God blessing. A lot of us have doctrines, but they're not tied together because we lack a global understanding of scripture. We lack a global understanding of how to rightly apply it. The kingdom of heaven is based on facts, truth. Jesus Christ himself is the truth. And when you get him right, and you know how to rightly appropriate it in your life, and you get those tools, then suddenly Christianity begins to shine. It lifts off the page, it functions, it lives. If you have a passion along these lines and you would desire a season just set apart, able to focus on the person of Jesus, I'd love you to consider being a part of a semester here at Allersley. Daily Thunder is a listener-supported production of Ellerslie Discipleship Training. At Ellerslie, we are laboring to rouse the Church of Jesus Christ out of its lethargy and build brave-hearted Christians for such a time as this. Daily Thunder is streamed daily, Monday through Friday, from our studio in Windsor, Colorado. And our weekend church service is delivered live and streamed at 9 a.m. on Sunday mornings. Join us at live.ellersley.com. Note that our live weekday in-person version of Daily Thunder is scheduled to resume this upcoming June in conjunction with our training season. Learn more at ellersley.com. Thanks for listening.